The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Don't do it. Today on the lab report, xenobiotics. Everything in our environment is trying to kill us. Oh, here comes my anxiety again. Uh Uh-oh. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. I mean, it is kind of strange that we're born with two sets of teeth, right? You have baby uh, teeth that fall out. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like, well, I never thought about it, actually. Why, why, would, why would that be? I don't know. Hello. Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you? I'm now worried about my teeth. Well, do you still have baby teeth? No. I wouldn't worry about it then. That's what I'm saying. I don't even think about teeth. I prefer not to think about teeth. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, this is a podcast brought to you by Genova Diagnostic, where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, and integrative therapeutics. How are you, Patty? I feel like we just alienated all the dentists out there. Oh, you're worried about our dental demographic out That's there? That's right. Okay, I That's see. right, right. Um, well, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, thanks for being here, everyone. You want to tell them what they can do if they like the show, Patty, when you stop laughing? It's just that when you say that, it makes me sound like this horrible human being. And I'm like, Michael, I know you're great. I just talk to you. I mean, it feels nice to be asked sometimes. Oh, you know, okay. So. Well, maybe next assumptions time. <laughs> over there about my greatness. <laughs> well, if you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for your ongoing support. And we hope by now you have gone to iTunes or Spotify and perhaps subscribe to our show. Leave us some stars, rate and review. And if you're angry about the fact that we don't think much about teeth, perhaps you can send us further feedback. I mean, obviously, oral hygiene is important for health, but mm-hmm. I just I think the mouth is kind of a gross place. If you agree, you can send that <laughs> feedback to podcast at gdx.net. <laughs> Clearly, we on this we are on this topic because your daughter lost her first tooth. Correct? Well, she's she's in the process of losing it. Yeah. Ooh, like the wiggle. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I yeah. don't like that. I know it's it, I very unpleasurable experience. You remember this from childhood? I mean, I, vaguely I remember it, but I remember not liking the whole process of of the tooth wiggling and uh, falling out. I just just not enjoyable. Did you ever have anyone else pull it out for you? No. Did you ever tie a string around it and put it to a doorknob and close the door? No. What was the tooth fairy's name? The tooth fairy. Didn't have a name. No, what, you, why would you name? It's the Tooth Fairy. You don't name the. I'm East, sorry. What's the Easter Bunny's name? Easter Bunny, but the Tooth Fairy had a name when I was growing up, and it was Mandy. What? That's the most ridiculous thing no. I've ever heard. We would get money and a note from Mandy, the Tooth Fairy. Okay, I don't know why it was necessary to rename the Tooth Fairy something different than the Tooth Fairy, but if we were to do that, I wouldn't necessarily pick Mandy. I would think something like more, you know, magical, like Grinzelda or something, or like Sparkle. That. Well, I will say, now that I think about it, Santa Claus is called Chris Kringle. The P- the Santa Claus has lots the of Easter names. Bunny is also Peter Cottontail. So these things have names. That's the Peter Cottontail is something different. Is it? Yeah. I thought that was Easter Bunny. No, it's like a whole different story. Oh my god. What are you on about? Uh, good question. We should be talking about xenobiotics. I think. Yeah, and. Actually, there's several terms I think we need to define before we jump into what we're talking about. The first of which might be xenobiotics. Oh, you want to define a term, huh? Oh, I, you want to define I've a several, term? Here we several. go. Bye-bye. Oh yeah, you know what time it is? It's time to define, define some terms. Term. 
Okay, that's quite a build-up. Yeah, I want to hear what, uh, what, what we're going to define here. Let's hear it. We're, we're going to define, define first. Like I said, there are several things I think we should define, but the first and most broad is the term xenobiotic. Okay. Right? So xenobiotic is a substance that's not naturally occurring. So usually a synthetic chemical that's found in the body or in an organism where it's not supposed to be. And uh -huh. it, it comes from the Greek xeno, which means stranger or foreign. So it's something foreign in your body. So Zeno is foreign. What mm -hmm. the rest of it? I mean, it's got bio in it. What's life? Bio? Oh. Life. Yeah. It's pretty, it, pretty general. <laughs> in the term xenobiotics, it is very general, and it can be so many things if you think about it. But in general, it's more often used in the context of pollutants, sure. things in the environment that have an effect on your body. Yeah, and it turns out there's a lot of uh -huh. things. There's a lot of these xenobiotics, and there's a lot of categories of them, mm -hmm. too. You know, we break things down into things like phthalates, xylenes, tulenes, Ugh. PCBs, Ugh. BPAs, or organophosphates, parabens, sodium lauryl sulfate. Oh, my gosh. There's a bunch of things out there mm -hmm. that aren't great. Glade plugins, Yankee candles. Food additives. Scented trash bags. <laughs> So, yeah, I think we're going to have to narrow this down a little bit. Yeah. Maybe some of the big players out there, some this of the things you hear be, a lot about. It's going to be four days long if we don't. Right. And if there's one that you hear a lot about, mm -hmm. I would say BPA is Oh, yeah, yeah. BPA is a big one. Yep. Because, like, everything's BPA-free these days, right? Apparently. But people don't even know what BPA is. So why don't we define BPA and get into that? Yeah. So BPA, or bisphenol A, is a uh, chemical compound that's used essentially in the production of polycarbonate plastics and, and epoxy resins. So mm -hmm. it's it's a very common, ubiquitously used chemical that's, uh, you know, we think about with resins and, and different plastics. Well, where would I come into contact with this? I don't work in a resin-type right. industry. Right. So that's interesting. We're kind of pulling from this article, bisphenol A, Environmental Exposure and the Detrimental Effects on Human Metabolic Health from 2016. And in here, they have a little bit of a chart on common contamination sources. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they're not all in the same units, so you have to kind of do some <laughs> mental work there to get there. But it looks like, you know, from a food perspective, meat is a big one. Hmm. Um, and But but that's pales in comparison to one of the biggest things on this list, which is thermal paper. You mean like a receipt? That's right. Yeah. So every time I touch a receipt, I'm getting exactly. BPA'd. Yes, you are getting BPA'd. It's and the scary thing about this is it's so ubiquitous in the environment um, that they're finding it, you know... Essentially everywhere in humans, wildlife, laboratory animals, they've they've done studies and they find it detectable in serum, urine, amniotic fluid, placental tissue, umbilical cord blood. So it's it's everywhere. It's just completely scattered throughout the environment. You know, the other place another thing on this list, by the way, is dust. <laughs> So try to avoid <laughs> dust as well as possible. <laughs> Another place I think about BPA is with plastic water bottles, right? Right. And that's kind of what's, if you go to the store, you'll see that they're now BPA-free, some of them. Right. And the thing that drives me crazy about that uh -huh. is that BPA is just one of the bisphenols. And so huh? when something's BPA-free, that does not mean it's bisphenol-free. There are several other bisphenols. There's bisphenol B... There's bisphenol AP, huh? bisphenol AF, bisphenol <laughs> BP, bisphenol C. Wait a minute. So E, F, G, A. I, uh -uh. I, if there's a letter, there's a bisphenol well, for it, apparently. This is sneaky, right? So if they're saying BPA-free, there's probably still all of those other bisphenols in there. Oh, quite likely. Quite likely. <sighs> well, I think the question now becomes, why are we talking so much about BPA? Why are we concerned about these? What do they do to our body such that 
you're over there telling us to be afraid of dust. Well, because, you know, it's mostly been studied as it relates to what's called endocrine disruption. Hmm. It has the capacity to be an endocrine disruptor. And so what that ultimately means, I don't know, you want to go into it there? Yeah, it's really just something, this chemical structure. (laughs) I know what endocrine disruptor (laughs) means. I'm just, I'm (laughs) wanting you to speak on it. I'm I'm tired of talking. Any type of chemical structure that in essence interferes with the receptors for, you know, the chemical messages in your body, like like your hormones. And so if there's a hormone receptor, this chemical can come in, either act like the hormone and block it or or do something that alters how you metabolize hormones in your body. Yeah, and so more specifically, things like an adipose tissue, it can interfere with insulin signaling, which is why we start to also classify it as what's called an obesogen. Another definition. Should I hit the button? No, 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 no. I think we could just define obesogen. Oh, you want to do it without the button. Okay, well, if I'm trying to break <laughs> this down, then obese... Uh-huh. Meaning essentially weight gain. Okay. Gen, meaning to create, I'm assuming, or uh-huh. to, I'm, I'm making this up right it's, now. But you know, keep going. So to create obesity, obesity. Right, okay. right. And in essence, it's really any chemical that can alter the balance of lipid metabolism, which inappropriately then becomes fat storage and obesity. So already we're talking about xenobiotics. We're talking about BPA being an endocrine disruptor and an obesogen. Oh, and by the way, it also could potentially affect cell proliferation, cell what? differentiation, and DNA damage, cytokine production, what? creating inflammation, hypoxic response, lipid accumulation, as you just mentioned, mRNA expression. Uh, so those, oh, at the bottom of the list, apoptosis. Oh, my God. So so that's your sound for apoptosis? That's right. Nasty stuff, man. When my kids are in this, the supermarket and like the lady tries to hand the receipt to the kid because she yeah. thinks it's cute, I'm like, I freak out. What? I like slap that thing out of her hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. I react as if she was wow. handing my child a snake. <laughs> but I think importantly, you know, the federal government continues to look at this. Currently, there's no strict guidelines on it, but they're following the literature. And I think... Yeah, I'm sure that the uh, section of the EPA that's in charge of constant literature review is very well funded. <laughs> you could even say they're super funded. Well, in the meantime, there's a lot of things we could do, including, to your point, don't take the receipt. Don't yep. slap the people who are handing you the receipt, but I'm just saying don't take the receipt. I don't, yeah. Yeah. No violence. Maybe avoid plastic water bottles. Don't heat up your food in the microwave that if it's in a plastic dish. I mean, oh, don't do that. Yeah, because BPA will That's then leach so into bad. your food. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the things. Just be mindful of places you can be exposed to BPA, to Michael's point, which I guess is everywhere. Right, but not in glass. Get some glass Pyrex. Hmm. Good to go. Good. So another popularized xenobiotic, mm-hmm. I think, is PCB. Uh, another acronym, right? Yep. So uh, let's talk a little bit about PCBs. Yeah, PCB stands for polychlorinated biphenyl. And this is really just an organic compound that was manufactured. It actually was manufactured in the 20s, 1920s, and then it was banned in the late 1970s. Right, so why are we? Why do we care about it if it was banned yeah. if we're not using it anymore? Good question. And, you know, back in the, from the 1920s to the 1970s, it was used in things like electric appliances, even applied it to dirt roads to keep the dust down. It's in a lot of other things like hydraulic fluids, oil additives to paints, window caulking, floor tiles, right. so many other things. My thought that if this was banned in the 70s, uh-huh. that should tell you how bad this stuff is, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like in the 70s, <laughs> right. we're like, whoa, <laughs> this yeah. one is, this is not good. <laughs> but the problem is, what made it so good is that it was tough and lipophilic and hard to break down, but now what makes it 
bad for us is that it's lipophilic and hard to break down. And so it's existed in our air and our water and our soil. And, you know, if you think about it being leached into the water system yeah. and it's still around right. all of these years later, you think about the fish that you eat because it's lipophilic. If you eat fatty fish, it, odds are that the fatty fish, you know, were drink the water that's, you know, full of PCBs. Wait, what? Are you talking about fish drinking water? Well, do fish drink water? Maybe they breathe it. Right. Do they? Or do they drink I think, it? I don't think they have they're stomachs. drinking it. Do they have I mean, stomachs? Do fish have stomachs? Yeah. Well, they eat things, right? They they certainly have stomachs. I'm mm. quite certain of that. No. What? Get out of here. A platypus does not have a stomach. Furthermore, uh, there, are, <laughs> there are specific species of fish that don't, like the goldfish or the lungfish. They don't have stomachs. How? Hold on. How? How? You're pulling out two oddballs. Just so happens, goldfish is one of them. But <laughs> that's what about the rest of them? They have stomachs, yeah. Yeah, some of them do. Okay. But the bigger point is because PCB is lipophilic. When you eat fatty fish, you're getting a dose of some PCB because they're drinking the water or breathing it. Yeah, and so to the earlier point of how bad this is, I mean, it's an obesogen as well as an endocrine disruptor. Uh, it's also been shown to have toxic and mutagenic effects. Um, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. It's been shown to Im- imitate estradiol hmm. in females. Yeah. And so you can see where that might be linked to some concerns around hormone-mediated cancers, things like that. Um, and as well as several other things with the mutagenic effect that we worry about, you know, certain cancers, things like that. But it's just, uh, it's pretty gnarly. You're right. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, although the levels are declining since it's been discontinued. Slowly. It's slowly declining. What are some things we can do then? I mean, this one's kind of tricky. It is tricky because it doesn't break down very easily. It's got Mm -hmm. a very long half-life. It's relatively inert, so it can't be broken down by very many, uh, you know, things that we can do with other things. You know, sometimes we'll talk about microorganisms and fungi that have the capability to break some of these things down, not not Mm, even as efficient here. Um, and so really, I, I think it's about kind of like clean living, you know, it's we try to make sure that we've got good water filtration systems in our homes and things like that, that will filter out these uh, PCBs. Um, you know, the unfortunate part is that there's bioaccumulation with a lot of these toxins. And so as you go up the food chain, then there's going to be higher density concentration of PCBs and these things. So, you know, when we're talking about fish consumption, right, we always talk about cold water fish and maybe the smaller fish like sardines and things like that, rather than, you know, sharks and whales and stuff like right. that. Don't be eating those. <laughs> but then you think since it is lipophilic, it's in a lot of animal fat, right? Because grazing animals will eat from the soil. So it's also in some of the meat that you eat. So maybe being very mindful of the amount of fat on the meat. And in the body, these things are metabolized through the cytochrome P450 enzymes, you know, so Mm -hmm. another interesting facet is, you know, if you have insight into how your cytochrome P450 enzymes function from a SNP perspective, you know, uh, then that might give you some insight as to whether you are, might have more issues bio transforming these PCBs. You know, Michael, this episode is becoming really frightening to me. Oh, do you want to have a therapy session? Um, no. Okay. But I, I'm telling you, like, the more we talk about these things, the more prevalent, and you realize, oh my gosh, our environment is really trying to kill us. But this next one really don't blame of, the environment. Well, no, it's man. What man has done to the environment? I mean, look at this. In 1978, North Carolina, some 31,000 gallons of PCB oil were illegally sprayed, essentially deliberately dumped on the side of roadways over 240 miles. So, what? uh, You know, it's not exactly the environment that created this. That's fair. That's fair. But I'll tell you, this next one we're going to talk about 
really kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Okay. We're talking about phthalates. Oh, yeah. With the funky spelling, P-H-T-H-A-L-E-T-E. Why, why would you do that? I don't know. But really, phthalates, it's really just an ester of phthalic acid. And these were used in a lot of plastics and, to be quite honest, cosmetics, like lipstick, nail polish, and perfume. And so this is why this one's hard for me. What on that list is most difficult? I mean, are you talking about getting all gussied up and per- yeah, being perfume? Perfume, mm. I see. And I greatly appreciate the use of the word gussy, so yeah. thanks for bringing that one back. But what are, what are some other places that we find phthalates? Uh, it's quite frightening. The one that jumps out on this list to me is toys. Um, oh, boy. But, you know, there's so many different things. There's uh, personal care products, lacquers, varnishes, um, vinyl flooring, adhesive sealants, uh, car care products, food packaging, personal care products, household, other household things, you know, upholstery, wall coverings. Yikes. Blood storage bags is on. I don't know why. That's like medical device stuff. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's <laughs> not a common route of exposure. I don't well, think, if you work in a hospital, perhaps. Yeah, or you're a vampire. <laughs> okay, so much like BPA and PCBs, phthalates are also endocrine disruptors and obesogens, mm. as we've already you know described several Being times. A theme here. That's right, and so they have very significant potential health effects. Which, you know, it's you mentioned toys, right? And so it's been implicated in things like reduced growth rate. Oh, right? I know, I know. Hepatic and renal effects, developmental and reproductive effects. <sighs> I know, I know, hepatocellular carcinoma, and even respiratory health. So, again, a lot of health effects of some of these environmental toxins. So you're going to stop wearing your perfume? No. But, like, since I started working here, as you know, I stopped wearing nail polish and lipstick, stopped using plastic bottles, I have a a, a glass container, I don't heat things up in the microwave. So I'm going to just take my chances and keep wearing perfume. So you're going to essentially just continue to give me lung damage? I'll just bring you blueberries every day. So as compared to the uh, PCBs, the phthalates actually have a relatively short half-life in the body. They're primarily excreted in the urine. And so when we're talking about environmental medicine on all terrains, mm-hmm. you know, the first step is limiting exposure. And so in this circumstance, phthalates are often kind of commonly identifiable because they, uh, they're they in a lot of products that have smells and scent. Mm-hmm. So that's why we talk about, you know, setting up scent-free environments is is one of those things that can be like a good broad suite to try to reduce phthalate exposure. Certainly there are other things that you can't avoid, but, um, you know, we're also talking about, again, supporting overall detoxification systems, increasing antioxidants, because that's going to help lower some of the, you know, inflammation, oxidative damage, things like that that can occur. Yeah. And, you know, as we mentioned before, like we're only scratching the surface here. There's so many different things out there. There's VOCs, volatile organic compounds, aromatics, things like that. Yeah. I I don't know, Michael. I think we're starting to scare people. I mean, we talked about advanced glycation end products. We did all these different toxicities. We've done heavy metals. And now you're telling me there's that much more? Yeah. I mean, obviously, my goal here is not to scare people, you Mm -hmm. know, but the information, I think sometimes at the end of the day, you know, we, People are like, oh, you know, plastic shouldn't be doing it. But then they're still drinking plastic water bottles. You know, there's sort of like this disconnect between the knowledge and what how it actually translates to action. And so hopefully the information is inspiring to the point where it's like, you know what, this is a real thing. This really needs to be something I consider as part of my lifestyle change and uh, to make adjustments accordingly. It's not, you know, it's not that hard to dramatically yeah. reduce your exposures if you're just being a little bit more mindful. Yeah, it's a 
by just being mindful of avoiding toxins. But then it's also, as you said earlier, a healthier lifestyle, healthier living, right? And so you're just making sure eating whole foods, supporting detox pathways, supporting the emunctories, eating things like polyphenols that are detoxifying, keeping your gut moving. So these are all things you can do while you're being mindful and trying to avoid all of these environmental toxins. Don't eat microwave popcorn. Next time on The Lab Report, I continue my diatribe on microwave popcorn. Yeah, hard to find that line between burnt and then untopped kernels. Just do it on the stove. It's super easy and it's fun for the whole family. I smell a cooking segment. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. I mean, if you're a vampire, you're going to live forever, right? So I guess you don't have to really be all that concerned about PCBs or phthalates in your... Is it offset? Well, no, because it's not in the blood. It's in the medical tubing, in the bags. And so unless you're telling me the vampire's carrying around medical equipment, it's unaffected. Oh, you obviously haven't been studying vampires. and how What? You know, going after blood banks, you know. Oh, come on. They're just not always victims just walking around. You can't always. So you're telling me there's vampires in the blood banks? I'm just saying, have you ever seen a vampire's fridge? <laughs>